It's 340 Mills. Take on me. The good music on Sport Tracks continues as well as the good stuff that's happening on the English Premier League. We also have Sarah Ferguson on the line. No, it's not that Sarah Ferguson, I promise you. It's uh, an athlete. She's a super athlete. She's an absolute swimmer and as well as a conservationist, okay? She's a hero. So we also have Leicester playing Leeds. Leicester leading one goal to nil. Aston Villa, well, they are clapping Southampton four goals to nil. Chelsea for Burnley nil and uh, Newcastle leading Brighton two goals to one. Well, they finished that match there. So that was how the score ended. Currently, Liverpool and West Ham, no goal scored three minutes into that match. But let's welcome this incredible woman. I mean, she has uh, done so much. An absolute... endurance athlete who swims all over the world to fight against the use of plastic. Let's welcome endurance athlete Sarah Ferguson to Sport Tracks here on SAFM. How are you doing, Sarah? Hi, Zaid. Nice to chat to you. I'm, I'm good, thanks. It's so exciting because you are one brave human. I mean, you go through these uncharted territories out in the water. You also have uh, projects that you're busy working on. And then last Monday, you decided, hang on, um, I'm going to go out there and just uh, do 1,500 kilometers from Cape to Durban. Or was it from Durban to Cape Town? From from Durban to Cape Town. Please share us, how are you dealing with, with something like that? Because how do you even train for something like that? So, yeah, I didn't just decide last Monday to do it. <laughs> I, um, I did a bit of preparation for it. It's been about an 18-month journey. Um, during lockdown, the kind of thought came to me that it was a good idea. Um, we couldn't go anywhere, and we were forced to think local. And um, I grew up in Cape Town. I live in Durban, so I thought it was a good idea to swim there, um, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> but um, it's it's really just, I mean, we've got one of the most pristine coastlines in the world, one of the most biodiverse coastlines in the world, Um and it's also one of the highest, well, it's one of many. All of our coastlines are, are, are severely affected by plastic pollution and various other conservation issues. And so I just thought, you know, I love swimming. I love what I do. I love a challenge. Um, I've got an incredible team that back what I do. And so when I pitched it to them, they were all in. Um, and then we set in motion the plan to, to start. And we set off on Monday, um, the 21st of February from Durban. Um, and we started swimming south. It's been a very challenging journey <laughs> because we've had to change track a few times. The current that we were expecting um, was going the wrong direction um, yep. against all the advice and experts. So we actually had to swim north for some of it. So we would go like 20 k's south and then swim north for the day um, and then go back, you know, if that makes sense. So it's been a, it's been a learning curve for all of us. We, we're adapting and we, we're making new decisions every day with what we've got um, it's been frustrating at times. It's been amazing at times. We've had incredible encounters with wildlife. We've also seen nothing. Mm. We've seen plastic. But it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's the biggest challenge we've, we're facing right now is the funds. Um, we stepped in there kind of expecting funding to come through that was being negotiated. And fortunately, it's fallen through. So we are running on a very, very minimal budget, which gives us six more days of swimming. And then we, we won't be able to continue. But... We, oh, we no. trust in the process and we have faith and the public have been amazing. So so we're confident it will come through eventually somehow. Um, and for now, we're just doing what we can with what we've got. And um, yeah, we, we, I've got an amazing team that has given up everything like I have to, to make this happen. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a very 
interesting journey, let's just say that. <laughs> I'm sure. And I mean, I'm an, I'm an eternal optimist, right? And so I believe yeah, the funding <laughs> will come and it's... It's it's something that I think people who listen to you and, and see the work you're doing, um, where can they go and pledge their support? Um, yeah, so we, we actually busy setting up a, a GoFundMe page, which is taking a little bit longer than expected. But in the meantime, we've got briefconservation.org, okay. um, and we've got a, a page there where you can donate, and all the funds that go into the, towards the swim. And anything, if we do raise excess, will go in towards um, you know, the work that we do at, as Breathe, which is all about um, education against single-use plastic and the fight against that. And if we raise over and above that, we're actually going to donate some money to the NSRI because they have also supported us along the way and they do amazing work. Tell us a little bit about that. About Breathe or the NSRI? Both. Oh, okay. Um, well, Breathe is uh, my non-profit organization. We do educational work. We're starting a marine guide development program where we're going to train up um, people to become marine guides. We're going to do three people this year. Um, so we're very excited about that project. It's a three-month project, and they'll get a, a certification at the end of it and, and hopefully get a, a job out of that through us as well. Um, that's funded by Oceans Alive. We also do a lot of work in schools. Um, in around education and, and we do monthly reef cleanups in Durban as well where we clean up the reef <laughs> from plastic. Um, that's just some of the work we do. And then the NSRI, the National Sea Risk Institute, they have given us support along the whole way. So they're tracking us. If an emergency is happening, they will come and give support. Um, they do rescues every day. They rescue people out the sea and they're all self-funded as well. So they do an incredible work saving lives every day. I mean, Ben, my producer, was just showing me now the work you're doing and the harmful effects of plastic. And I mean, I wish I could uh, convert this picture and video you sent to us, but can you explain to us what do you see uh, in terms of the damage that plastic is doing? Yeah, it's devastating. In fact, a, a really, it's a nice and a sad story at the same time. We had the privilege of seeing a baby turtle hatching in the Gullis Current a few days ago. Um, and one of my support crew, Andy Kutsia, he he does a lot of work with turtles. So he's actually had the privilege of seeing the full life cycle of the turtle where they go onto the beach and they hatch and then they've got to make their way from the from their place on the beach into the sea and then make it into the current and then they have to float there and feed off jellyfish until they reach maturity. Um, and one in a thousand of those hatchlings actually reach maturity. The rest get lost to predators and mm. hypothermia and various things. And a lot of those that we're finding on our coastline are that are dead are dead because of consuming plastic. And unfortunately, in my film, I've seen quite a lot of plastic, a lot more in the last two days as we're in the current, um, in the Gallus current, which is the current that flows south, which is the one we're looking for. Hmm. Um, but those turtles float in that current, and I've had to stop and, and look twice to see a piece of plastic, wondering if it's jellyfish or plastic, um, and then realizing it's plastic enough, I take it out the water. But if I, who, as a human, know and have created plastic and know what it is, and I can't see the difference, and turtles feed off jellyfish, mm. you know, how can they know the difference? And so I'm seeing that firsthand. I'm seeing that I can't tell the difference, and, and I'm in their zone, and that's what they eat. And it's just a very sad reality, and that's just one example of the devastating impact of plastic pollution. It, it affects them, they're eating it. The birds eat plastic because they think it's fish. Mm. Um, you know, we're still studying the effects on the consumption of us eating the fish that eat the plastic, what that effect have on us in terms of the bioaccumulation and you know it is it's a very tragic reality that we that we are responsible for and we need to stop because we are the people that have been called to look after the earth and we are the ones that are unfortunately damaging it because of our own 
convenience at the end of the day. So as a sample size one, make sure you don't throw plastic anywhere near water because the effects are long-lasting and uh, it's, it's such a vicious cycle because th- that kind of toxicity that comes out of the plastic ends up onto our table because you don't know when you're eating a fish what they've yeah. had to endure. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's quite a serious, it's a, it's a hell of a serious issue and I'm so glad that you are raising the awareness for a plastic-free ocean. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, it's it's one thing to not throw plastic away. Most people don't intentionally throw plastic or rubbish into the ocean. That's not really their plan. Um, I think one thing that, that people can do and that will help make a difference as individuals is every time you go to the shop, choose not to buy a single-use plastic item. So instead of buying, if you're going to buy Coke, try and buy it in a can. And the reason why a can is better than a plastic bottle is that Aluminium is indefinitely recyclable. You can recycle it indefinitely and it doesn't lose its value. Whereas plastic, every time you try and recycle it, it loses value. And so that, you know, it's not indefinitely recyclable. So things like that, refusing a straw, which is an unnecessary thing. Um, mm. Basically trying to avoid anything that's single-use. So it's something that you use once and throw away is not a good idea, whether it's plastic, whether it's paper, whether it's whatever it is. If you do use a a straw or buy a water bottle, try and reuse that as much as you can before you buy another one or before you throw it away or before you recycle it. That's something that every individual can do that will really make a difference. If everyone makes one change in their lives, it will will, will help, you know, um, and that will make me happy and knowing Mm -hmm. that I feel like I've contributed to that, you know. (laughs) 100%. I think your ecotourism, you know, uh, direction you're going in. I think we all feel it when we get onto the beach and we look for a nice, pristine beach. It makes so much sense than seeing pollution all over. So I'm really yeah. glad you're highlighting this plastic pollution issue. And uh, one, one of the other things is that um, you've been swimming for a while. I mean, what, uh, you're, still, you're still at it, you're still going strong. I mean, even though you say you might only have a couple of days to go, but uh, and we're hopeful that the funding comes through. But in 2019, you also circumnavigated Easter Island, also about raising awareness about how man is destroying the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And that a world a, record. Yeah, I was the first person in the world to do that. Um, and the reason why I swam in Easter Island was because that's, a remote island in the middle of the ocean, in the middle of nowhere, and it's got the highest concentration of microplastics in the world. Um, and microplastics are basically pieces of plastic that have taken time to break down into smaller pieces, and they've accumulated in the ocean in, a, in a, an area called a gyre, and you get five major gyres in our ocean, and the South Pacific gyre basically collects all that rubbish and it washes up onto the nearest land, which happens to be Easter Island. So when you go there and you look at the beaches and you start picking up rocks and you just see plastic and plastic and tiny pieces, mm. and every single piece of that plastic does not come from that island. Not one of that pieces comes from the island. They all come from what? as far away as Australia, China, New Zealand, South Africa. They've done studies on the plastic and, and dated it back and found where, you know, its sources. And that's the thing that, that's devastating. It's like going into your bedroom and having your neighbor's rubbish thrown into your bedroom. That's what it's like for those people. I mean, it's not their rubbish. It's our, it's someone else's rubbish. Um, and that's what it's like for the animals. We're throwing our rubbish into their home. And it's, you wouldn't want to come home to your, to your house and see it filled with someone else's rubbish. Um, and that's basically what it's like for, for that island and for, for our ocean. 
I mean, that is just crazy. I, I, I just find that just unbelievable. And, and you're a real-life heroine, Sarah, I have to admit. <laughs> I mean, you, what you've accomplished is just phenomenal. But I want to find out a little bit about you. How did you first get into open water swimming? What, 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 was, what was the inspiration for you? Um, I used to be a pool swimmer, so I'm competitively for, um, for Western Province Natal and a little bit in South Africa, for South Africa as well. Um, and when I retired from that, I... I knew my career as an athlete wasn't over. I just didn't know what that meant. Um, I traveled the world a bit and, and found myself in Hawaii and, and I fell in love. It's not a hard place to fall in love with the ocean. Um, in Hawaii, I, I saw it mm-hmm. for the first time I was there. Um, when I was there, uh, I just I fell in love with the ocean. I, I saw an island in the distance. I had been um, I had been reading Lewis Pugh's book, who's a, also um, an extreme swimmer who swims against climate change in Antarctica and a speedo. So... He was a huge inspiration to me, um, and when I came back to South Africa, um, you know, I had a really tough time sort of grappling with my retirement from competitive swimming. I went into hmm. a season of depression, I worked with a sports psychologist, I went on to meds, um, and we worked through a process of figuring out what what I was going to do next, and I, I mentioned to, to her that I, I thought of swimming to this island in Hawaii, and um, and then just through a process of figuring out what what was I passionate about, what was it big enough for me to have, you know, that I was passionate enough about, that was big enough for me to sacrifice my life essentially to swim for, um, yeah. and that's kind of where the journey started. Um, so yeah, I spent five years preparing for Hawaii. I self-funded that swim and vowed I'd never do that again because <laughs> fundraising is a very hard thing to do. <laughs> um, but that was an incredible experience, and that sort of was the start of my open water swimming journey um, with the team that I still have today. Um, as I said, this is not a thing that I do alone. I've got an incredible team who sacrificed a lot to, to help me in the process, um, and we all giving up a lot to do what we're doing. Um, and it's 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 not a it's not an individual journey. It's definitely a team effort. Sure. And would you recommend uh, you know open water swimming to others? Would you recommend them doing what you're doing to highlight, you know, <laughs> plastic pollution? I you know not everyone has to do something as extreme as me to to, to spread, spread a message. As I said, if you just pick one thing to change, you're doing it, you're making a difference. But I think, I mean, open water swimming is an incredible sport. I, I do recommend it, obviously, to my passion. That's, I lo- that's what I love. But it, it also has many health benefits. And it's incredible when you see what's in the ocean. Like, I've had the privilege of swimming with dolphins, whales, sharks, manta rays, small rays, big rays, obviously jellyfish and all sorts of things. I mean, there's so many surprises in the ocean. It, it never ceases to amaze me. It's an incredible an incredible thing to witness and, and experience. And so if you haven't tried it, go and get yourself wet. It's, it's an amazing place. Mm-hmm. I mean, what advice would you give someone who's, you know, like you, we're going through that tough mental, you know, sort of um, a breakdown a little bit and you went in and you sought a professional. What advice would you tell them now? I think, um, you know, community and, and family and friends are really important. Like, you're not alone in this life and it's really important to have people around you and share what you're going through with the people that you trust and love. That certainly helped me a lot through through my hard times. My faith has, has definitely been instrumental into what I do and, and why I do what I do. Um, that's my number one drive. Um, and then I think when you find something that you're passionate about or find something that you want to do, it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be a lot of setbacks. There are going to be a lot of challenges. I mean, my journey has not been easy, but it just keeps coming back to remembering why you're doing it and to find that joy in the journey. And it, it sounds a bit cliche, but 
I've always said, like, as soon as I stop loving what I'm doing, it's not worth doing it. Yes, hmm. it's gonna, it's not, it's not gonna be easy. No one said it would be, but my, my why is my drive, and my the people that are around me and believe in me, you know, they, they're the reason that I keep on going along with my faith. So, I think just remember why you do what you do, and don't lose that joy in it, because as soon as you do, you know, life is short. You know, remember the people, value the people that are around you, mm. and. Um, and, and be honest and vulnerable with those that you trust and love because that's, they're the people that help carry you and, and help you achieve your dreams and goals. I mean, you say you've retired, but what makes you so confident in your body and your abilities to go out there and swim with sharks and wind and <laughs> swells? It sounds crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's been some crazy rides out there. We swam through a storm the other day. It was, it was insane. I felt like I'd been through a washing machine. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, you get stronger, you get experience, you, you get tougher as you go, as you get older. You might not be able to do as much in the day as you used to when you're a little bit older, but experience counts for so much more than, you know, just raw talent or, you know, skill. Um, and as I say, I've got an incredible team who, who I rely on their expertise to help me get through these tough um, spaces and tough times in the ocean. But ultimately, despite having to fight currents and wind and waves, it's still a place where I feel most free and most happy. And it is a place that I love. Um, and I'm privileged to be able to do what I love hmm. at a cost, but it's, it's worth it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. But I mean, I, I don't know if I asked you this question earlier. What was worse for you? Actual training for this or the actual swim? Uh, for sure, the training. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy training, but it's really hard. Um you know, once you're in a challenge, there's no out. You know, you, you're in, you're committed, like you'll do whatever you need to do to get through it. When when you're training and you're feeling a bit sick or a bit tired, you know, you've always got an out. You're like, well, I can't get injured or sick before my big event, so I'm just going to not train. Or um, there's other, you know, there's the stresses that play in life with, you know, running a business or whatever. Um, mm. So training is definitely, the, the preparation is, is always the hardest. Once you're in it, you know, you've done the hard work, you've done the the, the the grind to get there and and so when you're in the journey most of the time it's, it's fun um because you've done the work to get there um the preparation is definitely for me the toughest part sure i mean but sarah most do you think i mean <laughs> <laughs> do you think anyone or everyone has your kind of willpower um i think everyone is capable of having it okay. um <laughs> but no um it's it is uh there's not a lot of us that do that do what i do i think it is a a special uh, kind of brain that that allows you to put yourself out there and and battle against things. Um, but as I said, I think anyone is capable of if they're passionate about it and want it enough. You know, your mind is so strong, and even even for me, I, I'm you know I'm only starting to tap into what what I I think I could do. You know, I think yeah, I'm always testing myself, and this is the ultimate test I've ever had to endure on many levels. But um, people wanted enough and, and they got the right team around them, you know, pretty much anything is possible. Hmm. And what's next for you? Uh, just trying to get to Cape Town for now, hey? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'll be that'll be amazing. Um, it's, a, it's a year-long journey, so we've got a long way to go. We've only done 10 days of swimming. We're about to reach the Trans Guy, so in the next day or two, we should be there. Um, and then, so the first, first stop is East London. Um mm. That's our main goal for now. If we get there, we'll be stoked. 
and then it, yeah, obviously, as I said, depends on funding. If we get further, I do believe it will come through. Um, and as I said, we've had incredible support. The public have been amazing. Please keep it coming. We really appreciate it. Even just messages of encouragement are really helpful. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm not thinking about what next. I'm literally trying to get through day by day at the moment. <laughs> I would say one foot in front of the other foot, but this is no walk. This is a, 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 a one arm. Yes, one arm. <laughs> oh, wow, Sarah. I mean, this is just amazing. Your your accomplishments are amazing, and I can't wait to just follow up to how you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate and thank you for the airtime and thank you for the support and following the journey. And yeah, it's been a privilege to be on the show. There we go, Sarah Ferguson. That's who we are in conversation with here on SAFM Sport Tracks. All this and more coming up for you. We also have uh, fencing in Limpopo that's lined up for you together with eSports. Colin Webster, president of Mind Sports South Africa. All this and more on the other side. As we remind ourselves in commemoration of the horrific past of our country, let us celebrate this Human Rights Month with dignity and the utmost respect to our Constitution, which protects our Bill of Rights. SAFM, leading the conversation. Now this week on The Talking Point, Cathy speaks to Mr. Khadi Matseto from National Treasury to unpack and streamline information coming from SONA, SOPA and the budget speeches and let you know how you can use it to your benefit. You can catch the conversation this Monday between 11 and 12 only on SAFM leading the conversation. You are listening to Sport Tracks on SAFM.